and welcome to this Jeremy Bamber and White House Farm podcast season three case and campaign update. I'm Emma Morris from the Jeremy Bamber Innocence Campaign. Unfortunately, there have not been any developments on the legal front since December, but the Christmas and New Year break obviously meant that the CCRC were not working through the holiday period. We hope to be able to bring you more news next month. Likewise, with the campaign, We have been developing new podcasts and plans for the year on how we can further raise awareness of Jeremy's case and injustice. These plans will be discussed in detail in our AGM scheduled for next month and we will update you as far as possible regarding plans next time. To close, we wish to thank everyone for all your continued support throughout 2022 and wish you all a very happy new year, a year in which we firmly believe will achieve positive news for Jeremy and us all. On to this month's podcast, in which Yvonne and I discussed the recent media articles in the Mail on Sunday regarding the burns to Neville Bamber's back and the interference with the scene in the kitchen at White House Farm prior to any photographs being taken. Welcome to this Jeremy Bamber and White House Farm podcast, season three. My name's Emma Morris from the campaign, and I'm joined today by my colleague Yvonne Hartley. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, Emma. So I'm sure a lot of you will have seen recently the articles in the Mail on Sunday regarding the crime scene, the burns to Neville's back, and the position of the chairs in front of the door. We've had quite a lot of questions around this, so we thought we would do a podcast and talk about some of the questions we've had and answer some of them. So, shall, Yvonne, shall I kick off with the first point? Yes, please, Emma. So, could you just explain, well, what are the burns, where are they, and how they were presented at trial? Yeah, it was discovered that Neville had three burns in just to the left of centre of his back. Um, they started at the base of his neck, just where the base of his neck is, and were a distance, a total distance of two inches from the top burn to the bottom burn. And they are quite deep burns. They're, they're black in coloration, very dark, and they're in a straight line. So there's three burns um, of very distinct distances apart. At the postmortem, Venice said that there could be burns, Although Venice didn't attend the crime scene, so he didn't give any source of the burns. But by the time, there was no dispute there were burns. Anthony Arledge's opening speech sets out that there were three burns to Neville's back. So there's no dispute that there were burns, but it's the source of the burns that was unknown, apparently. So at the trial, it was suggested to the jury that the burns were made by the heated end of the rifle with the silencer attached. So they were saying that the silencer must have been attached to the rifle and heated up, and that that possibly was used to prod Neville in the back to get him to go downstairs, which seems a bit bizarre because these burns are all the same sort of depth. And... It, it just doesn't make logical sense that that would be the case. But that was what the jury were told were the likely source of the burns. Right, okay. So one thing the jury didn't know was that Malcolm Fleck, who was a ballistics expert from the Crown, had actually conducted some tests on pigskin 
to see if it could heat the, the end of the silencer up to recreate the burns on pig skin, which is as similar in form as human skin that you can get. But the results of those tests have never been disclosed. In fact, he later denied they'd ever been done, although there is documentation to support that they were done. Well, what results of those tests were then? Well, I don't know, but they, they, they wouldn't have shown that the silencer was attached to the rifle and they would have shown that that, that wasn't the cause of the burns. It has no connection to the rifle at all. So the defence did some forensic tests, I believe, in 2012, around that time? They did, yeah, because we had to try and ascertain where these burns had come from and to discredit the evidence of the silencer. Tests were conducted by forensic ballistics expert Philip Boyce for the defence and he he heated up the end of the same model of rifle and conducted tests on pig skin and he also did that with and without silencer attached. Now the burns results that he achieved are completely different in appearance than the burns on Neville's back but because the defence had no other alternative and because they were trying to undermine the silencer evidence, it proved that the silencer was not attached to the gun, but he didn't go further to say that they weren't caused by the rifle either, because at that time in the case, were undermining the silencer being the cause of the burns. Right. And if people would like to see that testing, it was filmed for a documentary programme called Bamba, The New Evidence, which is available on YouTube. And we'll put the link for that in the comment section of the podcast. So as a forensic scientist, you know, ultimately his job is to be presented as, you know, with a hypothesis and asked to test it out. He's not there. He, he can't say, um, you know, magically, I know what caused these burns. He has to be presented with... Can you test whether it was, you know, possibly a rifle that caused these burns with the silencer on or off? Um, and let us know what your test reveals. So, you know, absolutely, these... because the jury were told that the burns were caused by the silencer attached to the end of the rifle. So, how that was heated or, you know, anything like that. The... It's got to be tested, hasn't it, ultimately? Yeah, I mean, the assumption by authors and documentary makers was that somehow the hot plate of the auger had been used to heat the end of the rifle with the silencer attached, and then that was used to cause the burns to Neville. No other suggestion was put forward at that moment in time. All that we were trying to do is undermine the silencer evidence. That was the scenario that the Crown had put forward, that this is what had caused the burns. That's what the defence then have to undermine. So you know, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of pounds spent on ascertaining that firstly the silencer wasn't attached, but now we know that the rifle wasn't used at all. So how did the hypothesis come about originally, that it, the burns could have been caused by the argon? It always bothered us that the results from Philip Boyce's tests of the heated end of the rifle didn't match at all. It didn't have any bearing at all. It didn't look in any way the same as the burns Neville had sustained on his back. They weren't circular. They weren't all identical in shape or size. So it's always been something that didn't make sense. So it was a case of simply the, the, the picture we've been given has always been looked at 
in a vertical form. So it's been looked at as though somebody seated or upright. All it meant was turning that picture by 45 degrees to the left. And it very soon became apparent that, wait a minute, there's areas on the auger that those burns could have been created by. So on the auger, there is an ash door and the two catches. So the catch on the door and the catch on the auger that closed the door. So the handle and those two catches, the distance between them was consistent with the distance on the burns on Neville's back. So it was overlaid, it was looked at in detail, and lo and behold, the distances appeared to match. The shape of the wounds appeared to match. And we know that the auger was on. Yeah, so it was, it was staring you in the face. It had been there in plain sight yeah. 37 years, and it was only discovered last year. But by simply turning that pitch about 45 degrees, then it very quickly came to realise that actually, could it have been the handle of those catches? So the result, those um, theories were sent to forensic expert Philip Boyce and just asked, what do you think? Yeah. And he said, well, that looks very possible because the distance in the shape of the burn seems consistent. And he's uh, an expert in markings, so he's in like, uh, patterns of, of things so we asked him to have a look at it and he came back and said yes he believed that that could be the source but obviously we can't just do it off a, a hypothesis we've then got to push this further and do tests and then that's what we established to do so we sent the theory in to the ccrc actually on christmas eve last year with photographs and with diagrams of what we believe we'd found and then we then proceeded to try to find an auger that was the same so that test could be conducted. And it's great. You actually did manage to find an auger the exact same, didn't you? Actually, it was a, it was a real fluke because uh, Matt Harris, who is a filmmaker that we're working with, he went off to drop some things off at his in-law's house and never noticed before, but in their kitchen was the identical auger to the auger at White House Farm. The only difference was this was not coal-powered, not solid fuel-powered anymore, but it was an identical auger. All the component parts were an exact match. It was the same model. So, the only difference was wasn't it? Yeah, theirs was on a plinth of about four inches. And so all that had to be was that was compensated for in the experiments that were conducted. So a number of experiments were done. The first just using a pig leg to see if, but, but they weren't very successful, but the marks that were left did indicate that that could be done, but then they were done properly. Then they were done under control conditions with pig skin and temperature probes and everything. We had information about the degree that was needed to be caused to cause the burns. And they were surprising, the results, because it didn't need to be as hot as what you would anticipate to cause. And even one degree makes a big difference to the amount of exposure needed. And we know the auger was on. We know that the auger was on. The police even said that the auger was hot, light and hot. Yeah. Morning. 
think anybody with Arthur's background you know how difficult they are to relight. So they were kept on. It was time. kept on seven days a week, 365 days a year, because it was the source of heating the water, as well as cooking, as well as heating the farm, as well as heating the kitchen. So, so we know it was. Yeah. Um, okay, so the Philip Boyce did all the experiments and um, the results were, were really quite striking, but he did say it's only a possibility that it could have that, you know, it could have been caused by the Argo. It did, because it can't really go into much more affirmation of it. It can't say it definitely is that, because he wasn't there on the day. You know, it's a distinct possibility. The distances are exactly the same. The shape of the wounds are exactly the same as they would have been. Yeah, I think used about the, the shape and thinking, although they don't look like it was caused around, unfortunately, the newspaper didn't have the pigskin results printed did they but when you see them they are the, they're the same shape they're really, yeah. really similar, aren't they yeah they are very distinct shape the the handle shape and and the captures because that i said before the burns are not you not consistent in shape or size they do differ and that shape and size is consistent with the handle and the captures also the depth of the burns is consistent which is tallies with Neville having been lied against those three points of the Arga for the same length of time. And as well, there was nothing else that was hot in the kitchen or in any other area of the house. There is nothing else that the distances would have been the same or anything. Yeah, what are, what are the chances, do we think, of somebody creating those burns by something other than the Arga and getting them exactly the same? In, in the same distances by some other method. I, I'm not, I, you know, I, I don't know what the odds are. No, well, it's virtually, I would say it's virtually impossible because yeah. they match, those burns match consistently to within millimetres of the catchers. I mean, there isn't a centimetre difference. It's not, it, it, yeah. When you overlay the images, perfect. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's striking. If anybody, you know, at some point, I'm sure the pigskin photos will be released. Obviously, the CCRC are considering the issue at the moment, so they 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 haven't been released. But um, people will say exactly that. Would, you know, they, if you compare Neville burns to the pigskin burns, they'll be the jaw will be on the floor. It's it's striking yeah. how it is. Definitely, and and of course as well got to bring into account that he must have been uh, dead on the floor when those burns were created because even if he had been unconscious, your body would move away from that heat. It was intense heat. Oh, yeah, those burns are deep. He would definitely have moved away from them if he could, could have done. Um, so, you know, we, we're at a point now where we say, you know, the burns were caused by the Arga. Yes. What that means, ultimately, is that Neville was moved. Yes. Could Sheila have moved him or Jeremy? Neville was six foot four. I don't know how much he weighed, but yeah, a dead weight of a person is very difficult to move. It would have needed two people to move Neville from that position. And what we believe is, because as well, there's a pool of blood on the floor that is consistent with where Neville's head would have been, had he been against the Arga, with his back to the Arga. And that pool of blood is covered by clothing and cushions. Yeah. 
Neville's perched precariously on the crime scene photographs on the back of a chair, which to me is consistent with him having been in some form of rigor mortis at the time he was moved, if not in full rigor mortis, because he was in such a precarious position. And to try and seat him in a chair, probably impossible because of the position his body was in. And the only way he's been perched on the end. Well, that image has then created this sinister image for the jury to see Mm. of Neville seemingly being humiliated as well with his pyjama trousers down, half pulled half down. And when all it probably was, was when he was... dragged or moved by two police officers into that position on the chair. One person could not have moved him because they couldn't have balanced him. They needed to balance him. And in the position he's in, they needed to use the coal scuttle to balance his head. Yeah, and there wouldn't be any reason for Sheila or Jeremy to have moved him. Well, why would they? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But um, And if you look at Neville's position, if you turn that around, I've done it, I know you've done it, where you, you, you remove the image of him and you turn him turn the image around and he he's not leaning over a cold scuttle, he's in a semi-fetal position lying on the floor. Exactly. But there is one thing and I've raised with you, as you know, that might confuse people a little bit because that cold scuttle has blood running down it. So it looks like Neville was still alive and bleeding when his head hit that coal scuttle. So how do we explain the blood on the coal scuttle? That's quite easy to explain, actually, because even um, when somebody's deceased, the blood is still liquid. The blood doesn't solidify when you die. The blood is still a liquid. And he has, on the pathologist report, he has abrasions or cuts on his face, which are consistent with the shape and the area of where his head was on the coal scuttle. So when his head's balanced on there, if it's gone with a thud, if his skin's broken, he will bleed because the gravity alone will make the blood come down the coal scuttle. So I don't believe that that's... And as well, it's interesting because the police didn't seize the coal scuttle, which is... Brings into question, why not? Because surely, that, I mean, there is quite a lot of blood on the coal scuttle. Had that been as they found it, they would have seized that. They would have seen, is that just Neville's blood? Is there anybody else's blood on there? As the perpetrator cut themselves while they're in the act of, you know, the offences or anything. They would have seized it to test the blood. They didn't seize it because they knew the only blood on there was Neville's because they actually caused that to happen. But again, that looks so sinister to the jury. Yeah. If the police had said, look, we had to move Neville, he was in front of the Argo, we were worried, you know, was it we couldn't get to where we needed in the scene or we needed to move him away from this source of heat, then that's an explanation that the, it would have been understandable and, and the jury at least would have known the truth, but they were not told anything. Oh, okay. So the police moved Neville innocently because they they were worried about the heat source and all of that type of thing. That doesn't prove Jeremy didn't do it, does it? Well, actually, it does because we know that Neville made a telephone call to the police at three twenty six. 
we know that Jeremy made his call at 3.36. For Neville to have died in front of the Arga, as we now believe that he did, he would have had to be there for some considerable time, not only to create the burns to the depth that they are created, but to be in the position that he was in on the chair. So in that fixed body position, in that semi-fetal position. And that wouldn't have happened in half an hour or an hour, or that would have been three or four hours. So it's consistent with Neville having died just after he made that 326 telephone call to the police. And the police breaking in at 7.34, a period of four hours, in which case Neville's body would have been the heat would have assisted in the in the rigor mortis process. Yeah. Possibly have been Jeremy because he was on the phone to the police at 3.36. He was at the scene at 10.4. Yeah. How could he have been in the kitchen? I think what people need to understand as well is the prosecution asserted at trial that Jeremy must have caused the burns to Neville as an act of kind of torture by prodding him with, you know, the hot end of the rifle with the yeah. silencer. But actually, if the burns were caused by the agar, three components on the hot agar, Neville falling in front of it, and then the police later moved him to the position he was in, that means the police sat there throughout that whole trial and just let the prosecution blame Jeremy causing those burns, knowing damn well those burns happened, knowing damn well that Jeremy didn't cause those burns, and they've kept quiet about it ever since. But maybe they haven't kept quiet, Emma, because one of the important factors is that we do not have the handwritten statements from the police officers who were in the house. We do not have disclosure of the majority of statements from the 42 police officers who entered the house, particularly the first initial six from the raid team. They, in the majority of cases, the first statements weren't written until September, which is bizarre. And one of the handwritten statements that we do have says that when the the raid team entered the house, that Neville was against the wall next to an overturned chair. Not that he was perched precariously on a chair next to an argot, but that he was against the wall next to an overturned chair. That in and of itself is... He wasn't on the perch in the way that he appears in yeah. the But yeah. what I mean, you know, is is the likes of um, Ainsley, Miller, Cook. They would have known. They would have known. And, and it always makes me think, is that the reason the pathologist wasn't asked to attend the scene? Yeah. Because the scene was not as they first discovered it. Had it been... They would have had the pathologist at the scene to see the bodies in situ. But what was the point? The bodies weren't in the position that they were originally in. So there's no use having a pathologist there. He's looking at a completely false crime scene. We only have, I think, Ainsley left, but he's asked why he kept quiet, why he didn't put that back right when the case went to court. That's a question that only Ainsley can answer. I think we know the answer, but it'd be interesting to hear what Mr. Ainsley had to say about it. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, and the jury had a right to know the level of interference. The jury had a right to know because had they known 
that the scene wasn't as it was presented to them on the crime scene photographs, had they known that there was no acts of torture and that Neville had died in front of the auger on the floor, would they still have come back with a 10 to 2 majority guilty verdict? Would it have raised doubts in their head that Jeremy was guilty at all? Never know, and that's the well, never know, and that's why it's so important that the CCRC look at this issue and look at it with the the evidence is compelling. You've only to see those images next to each other once, and it's there, it's instant, you see it straight away. Just luckily that we decided to turn that photo by 45 degrees because it's never been turned around, and, and it. You know, people say, well, how come it's taken 37 years to find this? Well, first, we didn't get the photograph till 2011. But besides that, it's never enters your head to turn an image around to see if it's different. It wasn't the only issue that was raised in the Mail on Sunday. There was a further issue mentioned in relation to chairs up against a door. Do you want to elaborate on that and why that's important as well? Yeah, I will do it. Uh, the raid team, so I'll, so I'll first set out. The, when the raid team broke down the back door, there was a door immediately to their right. That was the door that led to the kitchen. And that door was not obstructed, and that door was actually open. In police statements, it says the door was open. Nobody mentions obstructions. That was the door that are now known 42 police officers entered before a single crime scene photograph was taken. Now, the image that was disclosed, which shows Neville on the overturn, the back of the overturned chair, also shows two chairs, which are very, very close to the closed kitchen door. In fact, they are so close to it, you can see the shadow of the chair on the actual door. There is no chance that those chairs are in the position they were in when the police entered that room because they couldn't have got in that room at all. Nobody said, oh, when we tried to open that door, it was it was obstructed. There were chairs in the ways which we had to force out of the way. None of that. The door was open. They said they had clear entry into the kitchen. In the past, the police have been asked time and time again, did you move anything in the kitchen? All they said they moved were two stools. Those two stools were at the other side of the kitchen and were blocking the entrance to the hallway. Weren't blocking the entrance, but they were preventing access, immediate access to that. Nobody mentioned moving chairs in the kitchen. Nobody mentioned putting chairs in front of the kitchen door. How on earth have they supposed that we that we are to believe that they entered that door with those chairs there? Obviously, they weren't there. They couldn't have been there. And so they've restaged those chairs. And I believe that the positioning of those chairs, if you look closely at those images, you can see that the chair that Neville is perched on is supported by the position of these two chairs. I think uh, right. the 2002 appeal, it was raised about other areas where it's believed that police interfered with the crime scene. And the judges said, actually at the hearing, that for police to interfere with the scene was a moral sin. Yeah. In the transcript, it's like if you can prove that the scene was interfered with, come back to the Court of Appeal because they're not allowed to do that. If they got to do that, fine, but document it, why you had to do it. 
what you move. Don't just hide that you ever did that. Because those chairs are quite obviously supporting the chair that Neville is on the back of. If you, if you follow it round, it's sort of like a domino effect. If you remove one of those chairs, Neville's on the floor. Yeah. And, they, and, they, and that chair that Neville is on couldn't be where it is without the support of those other chairs. They've obviously been placed there before the crime scene photographs were taken or after the police entered. But again... We need the statements from the officers that were in the house. Who moved those chairs and why? When did they move them? What time were they moved? What else did they move in the kitchen that they've never admitted to? This isn't for the podcast, so this is just for me. Why would they not just drag him away from the Yaga? Do you know what I mean? It, well, it, none of it makes any sense, does it? But they must have had their reasons. Yeah. I mean, the kitchen isn't that big. There's a, a table in the middle of the kitchen which yeah. is a rug on the floor. And it's quite obvious that that's been, that hasn't been moved in the course of a struggle. It's not, it's perfectly straight. It's as though it's been lifted and moved to allow access. Was that moved to allow access so they could easily get to Neville to move him away from the Argar? Makes perfect sense. The cushions on the floor that cover the pool of blood don't have any blood on the top of them. There we go. Not just the towel, really. No, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's items around that have Neville died in the position that we're supposed to believe he died in. The, the crime scene isn't consistent. It looks false, and it looks false because it is false. And this yeah. is the issue, what the CCRC have to look at now. Because it, it's, a, it's not so much that they did it, it's that the jury didn't know that they did it, and that's what's important because by denying them that evidence means Jeremy didn't get a fair trial. The jury are entitled to know if the police move something and for what reason. Without telling them that, they look at those photographs and they think, oh, my God, how awful. This is shocking. How could he leave his father like that with his pants down his legs? And Well, that was simply through being dragged. Oh, they've, they've dragged him, he's a heavy weight, a dead weight is a heavy weight. One person could not have moved him into that position. They needed somebody to hold the chair there. They needed somebody to help move him. It was a team effort. There was at least two people involved. Five? Yeah, exactly. So, obviously, the, the burns to Neville's back and the moving of the chairs. There are further issues, aren't there, in the kitchen? Oh, there's, there's numerous further issues in the kitchen, but unfortunately, we're not in a position to be able to disclose those at the moment, but we will do as soon as we are able to. It's been really, really helpful. I'm hoping that that's answered some of the questions that people have raised about the issue. Um, thank you so much for your time, Yvonne. You're very welcome, Emma. And can I just say, if anybody does have any other questions, please just email us at the website and we'll be more than happy. We can have another podcast or we can answer your questions directly to yourself. Just ask us. Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you, Emma. Bye. You can join our monthly Facebook meetings, which have a first look at case material, presentations and guest speakers at our official Facebook Jeremy Bamber Justice Group. Music